We are at 10 minutes after 8 o'clock here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU and worldwide at WSAU.com as well. Uh, We are back live in studio for Making Financial Sense. I am News Director Mike Leishner joined by uh, Merle Kelch. And Merle, I am calling this week's edition of Making Financial Sense group therapy and and not because... Uh, we, you know, it's been so long since we've been in the same room together. It's been a few weeks since we've had that, uh, but more because the, uh, the headlines this week have been absolutely, uh, atrocious from the financial world. Of course, we don't know when the country is going to hit the debt ceiling. If it's going to hit the debt ceiling, we don't know what may happen. If the debt ceiling hits, we have more banks that are teetering on the verge of collapse. And of course, all this happens as we have tens of thousands of dollars tied up in uh, 401ks and retirements in the markets, which have been extremely volatile because they don't know what's going to happen any more than we do. So Merle, tell us, why is the sky not falling when we have all these headlines that say, well, the sky is falling? There's an article that's out there right now, and hello, everybody. Um, I came back, uh, by the way, with no tan, so uh, I did my job right. Uh, wait a minute, so, wait a minute. No, no, I, you're looking? I'm i seeing a little color. I'm seeing well, a little color. So You're just seeing the uh, natural handsomeness that's, okay. uh, that's uh, popping out no. this day. That's, I'm Folks, not going to argue that one bit. <laughs> Folks, there's an article out there by Christine Azelis, and uh, the title of the article sounds like a paragraph, but I'm going to read it because if you're into this and thinking that the world is falling apart in this little bit because of the debt ceiling, um, I want you to read this article because it's probably one of the better articles that's out there talking about this whole fact um, and scenario that maybe, again, still may be coming. Uh, the title is, Here's Where Investors May Turn to Hide as U.S. Debt Ceiling Deadline Looms Based Upon the 2011 Market Reaction. The whole point in here is that based upon the 2011 market reaction. Hold well, it. Wait a minute. Before? You're saying we've okay. done this before? Uh, Yeah, we have, and guess what? We turned out just fine. And so one of the articles that they put in here is much of its analysis is based upon the debt ceiling drama from 2011. So, you know, we we look at all the stuff that's going on, and we've done this before. You know, um, just because we hit the debt ceiling in uh, in, in, uh, June 11, this is, and I'm citing parts of this article, by the way, folks. Just because we hit the debt ceiling on June 1st or thereabouts doesn't mean the government shuts off and say, oh, no, we have no more money. The world fell apart. That's just not going to be the case. So the government may have to go through and say, well, we're going to prioritize the cash flow that's still coming. Again, we're still paying taxes. Um, so uh, we'll have to prioritize the cash that's coming in, and we'll pay stuff like Social Security. And, you know, we're going to continue to pay whatever bills that we have to have paid. And um, government workers may have to be furloughed or something of this nature. Wouldn't that be terrible if, you know, government workers and hopefully congressmen and congress ladies, they don't get paid too. That'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the government's going to continue on. It's going to be different. So some of the things that we're finding, and again, per this article, um, that's happening is there's a lot of money that's leaving, um, uh, current treasuries, the short-term ones, because the government may not have approval is essentially what happens to sell short-term treasuries to finance day-to-day operations. They might have to simply use the cash flow coming in. To a certain degree, folks, I'm not sure if this is necessarily a bad thing. It forces them to pay the bills based upon what they have versus what they have the ability to borrow. Weird. Sort of like you and I. Is that odd? That, it, yeah. That, that, I <clears throat> feel like I've heard that before. Yeah. But huh. That that's not something that happens to the government. I yeah. mean, that so yeah, that's what you and I do. Yeah, but... folks, let's just take this in for a moment. It'll force the government to p- 
pay the bills based upon what they have versus not being able to borrow more. Huh, is this bad? All right, <laughs> I regress. I, I just went into my space place right there. Right. Um, so, so from that, then, we're seeing money shifting out to longer-term bonds. So the reason is, is 2011, what we found is that because we start getting rid of stuff and selling stuff, remember in the bond world, if we get rid of it, the int- the interest goes up or the yield goes up. If we start buying more of something, the yield comes down. So in doing so, people get rid of the current stuff because we might not be able to sell it, and they buy the long-term stuff. So as they buy the long-term stuff, that makes the value go up, which makes the yield or the interest rates start dropping down once again. So um, you know, in here, the uh, the issue comes in is people are going to try to buy some longer stuff where they can get a little bit better price. The yields are going to come down, which aren't necessarily bad, possibly make the mortgage rates come down. Um, it's going to cause some busyness, some problems. But you know what? We still did okay. The stock market did drop down after a debt ceiling crisis back in 2011, but that supposedly inside of this article was because of better issues. I'm oh, sorry, not better. Different issues other than <laughs> um, other than what happened inside of the U.S. Sure. Um, and primarily some of those issues were that there's a global issue going on at that point in time, and I did not read to what the global issue was happening in 2011, but that had more to do with what going on in the U.S. versus the others. So I think that, you know, if we start pushing some money out to the longer-term bonds, uh, the and that, of course, drives the price up, the yields down. It makes our mortgage rates, our borrowing and lending rates possibly drop down. Um, I don't see it as dropping the market off into the to the end. Um, could it push us into a recession? It did not in 2011 and 2012. It did not push us into a recession as it was a result of this happening. So, again, I think it comes to be more drama than anything else, and we see the stock market just holding back, which, of course, of course is driving volatility up and down. What drives the market up is when people are buying. Um, what drives the market down is selling. When people don't do anything, we just kind of see this floating around as we saw happen throughout the course of this uh, last week or so. Um, so hang in there. we got to see what happens with the debt ceiling and uh, see who pulls the trigger first. Now, I guarantee that Congress is not going to let the government default on everything over a long period of time. Not going to happen. Um, who's going to blink? I don't know. Um, I don't want to say I don't care because I truly do. Um, but... Um, I think we're going to be fine. Now, the one thing I have to caution, and we got a couple calls on this. So uh, we were at a conference throughout the course of last week. We came in really, really late on Wednesday, back in the office on Thursday, and I got a, a handful of calls about saying, we think we should buy gold. And God bless the marketing people in gold. You know, I mean, they do a heck of a job. They do. And you know what's valid when it's an English accent? That's always my humor in this sort of thing. You know, gold has been going up. Um, but what's interesting is, is in 2011, we saw gold. And again, this is a pretty article uh, from Christine um, uh, Azaleas. I'm just going to say that. I know there's a D in there someplace, too. Um, but in there, we saw gold um, go up as much as 20% in that year, in 2011. Um, and over the course of the next year, we saw it drop down just as much. It came back again. So um, to those that have called throughout the course of this past week, in these situations, you're buying it for a trade if you're uh, not long-term. Um, it's always better to buy it through a um, ETF so that you can buy it with all the uh, huge uh, um, uh, principal built into it or premium built into it. Um, you can sell it when you want to. So that's just kind of a, a tip and a thought on that. Yeah, and uh, a, I, again, a lot to unpack there. And I think the biggest thing is we, you know, we really don't know what is going to happen for the long term. As you said, there's a good chance that something gets worked out. The old saying goes, deadlines make deals. Well, we're coming up to a deadline right now. And I think, 
You look at the fact that uh, President Biden has been meeting with Congress uh, multiple times in this last week that let us know that these both these sides are talking, which is good. We what they're talking about, what's being said, we aren't privy to those conversations, of course. But we just hang in there because we don't know what's going to happen, and, and chances are it might not be as bad yeah. as everybody is saying. What I found interesting this is going to sound it's going to sound like I'm getting into politics, and I'm not. Okay. But I think it's something that tells us the state of our politics. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw um, Senator Schumer um, send out a letter to all the Democratic cons- uh, uh, people within his caucus uh, saying, make sure you continue to keep talking about the doomsday if they don't do the deal. To keep talking about the doomsday. And somebody leaked the letter out to everybody else in the news media could see it. Mm-hmm. So you can see the stuff that's going on. It, 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 to me, it seems like it's about politics versus let's get some policy done. And uh, still drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, folks, you, you can't see the disgust on my face at this point in time that we see this. And if it would have been the other side of the aisle doing the same thing, I'd have the same exact feeling. Right. They seem to forget that they're there to represent us versus representing their particular political party. And, and Both sides of the aisle. And, and as, we, as we step back away from the politics here on the show, <laughs> just uh, slightly before we get too far down that rabbit hole, yeah. one thing you brought up there, you talked about uh, mortgage rates and what can happen on that, uh, on that effect. Uh, before we take our first uh, break for the show, I wanted to ask you about this because I did see an article last night as I was uh, you know, reading in preparation for the show because, believe it or not, I do uh, read and prep for the show every now and then. So one article speculated that mortgage interest rates could top 8% if the U.S. does indeed default sometime in June. You're saying that they could maybe go down a bit as well. So is that just another sign that, again, we're we're in an area that people, you know, both we it, really don't know what could happen. It doesn't happen, happen often. Um, the history that we're looking at is, is what happens with the interest rates um, in a 10-year yield. The 10-year yield is one of the things that drives interest rates for mortgages. Okay. Uh, and so so with it, in 2011, uh, the yields did go down because people rushed in to buy them. Again, buying them makes the prices go up. Um, like anything else, buy, sell, buy, sell makes the price go up, and it drives the yields down. Um, and so driving the yields down in the 10-year marketplace drives where mortgages are going to go. And so we very well could see that occur. Now, some of the difficulty might be is that people – you know, want to rush up because the interest rates went low, and of course, competition then might drive up mortgage rates at banks. So we'll see what happens in in, uh, in that mark. But um, in history, um, it would say that the mortgage rates should drop down with the, the value of the ten year going up. And not to mention the fact that if you have more people looking for the same number of houses, that's going to drive the base price of the house up as well because Certainly the competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts there. Right? Oh, there's there's a ton of them. Uh, my brain swells thinking about the moving parts. You know, when I was your age, it was a lot easier. You know, so now I look at it going, oh, man, that's a lot of thinking. Um, uh, you know, maybe a cup of coffee is easier. Maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm just glad I've got an understanding of some baseball saber metrics because there's a lot of crossover between the two, believe it or not. He's Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, our chatter is just filler for your phone calls. The phone lines are open at 715-845-2155. So if you have a question for Merle, give us a call, and we will get you on the air next here on WSAU. 825 on this Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. Merle Kelch back with us again for making financial sense. And uh, Merle again back in the studio 
back in the same room for the first time yeah, in, yeah. in several weeks. I mean, things things get out of order like this, and you and I just get all out of sorts. It was it was it was an odd couple of weeks, and yeah. folks, in, in saying so, um, our, our good man here, Mike, actually took a vacation, and he deserves to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gave us a little break to have me get a couple things done. So that worked out well, and then I had a conference. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll be okay. I was at a conference and it happened to be in Grand Cayman. So I'm, uh, I made it through, um, you know, it was warm and sunny, it, but, um, but I still got it. I, I mean, I made it through. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just fine. I'm not necessarily sure I lost any weight, but, uh, the food was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Um, I did get the, the thing my, my wife and I love to do. My, my wife loves fishing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we went out on a boat and, uh, I got a video of my wife catching a, um, 36 to 40 inch barracuda. Oh, wow. Um, she had to sit in the old seat and had to use the seat with a winch on it and a great big reel and that whole bit. And it was just a, just a blast to, uh, uh to see. And it was just a so, blast. So, barracuda, what, yeah. what do you make with that? Um, um, or did you have to release? Y- you don't release. Um, it, and, and so we released a couple of fish that we, you know, didn't want, we kept, but we keep, kept a couple of what's called trigger fish and we had dinner with that. Fantastic. Okay. And, and boy, um, it went right from the, the flay table to the frying pan within 10 minutes. Oh, was it good. And I, anyway. I, I tell you what, the, the one thing I like about uh, the Caribbean is that spice palette. That is amazing. You don't get anything Caribbean spice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just pile it on. Just pile it on. So the barracudas in this area um, collect a poison, which is kind of odd. Uh, huh. They collect the poison uh, from eating reef fish. Reef fish, you know, of course, process the poison, don't have it. But if there's some in there. The barracuda collects it, and so then the meat becomes poisonous. Okay. Um, and so down there, the uh, the, the fishermen say, yeah, "Don't don't eat the barracuda." Um, there's a local people that want it. They send. They know how to get through it, or whatever the case may be. And so the so that fish went off to the local. We cut a smaller one. We threw back. Um, but uh, that went into uh, the, the locals that were around the dock, and they got the uh, the fish that okay. uh, like the barracuda. So. We didn't eat that guy. Didn't but, eat that, but well, I'll tell you what: the the teeth on them were half to three quarter inch long. It's a wow. pretty impressive picture. The uh, yeah, that uh, that seems to me like uh, like something that you would eat, and it would might be better than you would expect. You know, like the sturgeon. The sturgeon to me just doesn't seem appealing, but I guess you know, all depending on how you fry it, it can be good. Yeah, yeah. So great time in that, and then uh, I had to do the one romantic thing: is I had my wife and I had dinner on the beach. Oh, so, of course. All right. Then I had to go to work, you know, so, <laughs> so then all the meetings started that whole bit. So right, um, so that was interesting. So, but but yeah, when you get together with the financial professionals at a at a conference like this, uh, you know, in the Caymans, uh, what what do you end up learning out of out of all of that? Because again, the continuing education in your field has to be extremely important because while the the principles don't change, things are constantly changing within the market. One of the biggest things we had is conversations between not only colleagues, but of course, economists as they're speaking, that type of thing. Um, and then they had something that was interesting was uh, they had a behavior investment person, which is kind of bizarre. Um, we tend to, as individuals, make knee-jerk reactions, which we all know. Um, but some of the things in here is, is um, um, why are we doing that? To try to help us through with our clients and all this knee-jerk weird environment that we're at from an investment standpoint. And that was highly interesting. Um, but a lot of uh, my colleagues and people and, and uh, people who had speaking there as far as economists and different things, um, I think much the same that I do is that we may not have this full-blown recession, but we're re- regressing back to a, a mean, and that's my term, is regressing back to a mean of where GDP should be versus the marketplace. And so it'll be looked at as a recession, but even though we don't see this huge 
um, um, unemployment and joblessness and that whole bit. You know, even this past week, we reaffirmed 3.4% unemployment, which is still extremely low. So, so with that being the case, how do we have a recession and still have essentially uh, theoretical full employment? Uh, so it's, it's kind of a, uh, an odd sense that we look at. And, and again, it looks like we're regressing back to a mean. Um, uh, saying it this, pandemic happened, we dropped from the mean, we went way down as we shut stuff off. As we turned stuff way back on, we went way above the mean, um, getting supply chains, everything back to go, and now we're coming back down to the mean. And coming back down to the mean still simply means that the economy is going to slow. Um, uh, it, but but we're not seeing the joblessness because we're at the mean and we're still growing. And so that's kind of the, the thought to look at it that's been popping through. Is it right? Who knows? But it seems to be a consensus for many there. Indeed. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9, WSAU. More with Merle coming up after this. 8.34 on this Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU on our way to a daytime high near 70 or so. Uh, we'll see some mostly cloudy skies throughout as well. Some light rain this morning, but it looks like that is going to hold off for the rest of the day. Uh, Merle, once again, back in the studio, back slightly more tan from his uh, vacation to the Cayman Islands. Uh, that you, you don't, again, we should clarify you're not going to the Cayman Islands because you have all kinds of money hidden there, right? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. I mean, no. So do they say that out loud? Not yet. There might have been a Freudian slip. I'm maybe, not sure. maybe. It's kind uh, of interesting. We did a tour, and uh, one of the tours we're at, you go around seeing the city and the areas and that kind of sites. And as part of that, um, the uh, young man that was talking said that um, um, the Grand Cayman is the fifth largest financial district in the world. And he said, and from that, we have over 500 laundries. I mean, <laughs> banks. <laughs> right. So, yeah, he says so we're one of the largest laundromats in the world. So um, interesting rules on how finances work in the Cayman Islands, and uh, the world uses it exactly as such. So uh, the Cayman Islands, by the way, one of the finest places I've been to as far as uh, vacation mm-hmm. goes. Um, as uh, we were talking off air, entirely and completely safe. Um, uh, in fact, uh, folks, I've, I felt safer there, um, than I do when I go down to Florida because it is just, uh, amazingly, um, um, well done. Um, and everybody speaks English, but I, I can't always say when I go to Florida. So, mm-hmm. uh, an impressive place. I, I did indeed, um, enjoy it. I even went into the pool. Wow. But I'm so big though. When I got out, I left a ring around it. <laughs> Old Rodney Dangerfield joke. So. Um, so there you go. Indeed. you uh, And again, you did get some work done while you were down there as well. We talked about oh, that yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. a little bit. I know you've got another article uh, uh, kind of piqued your interest here earlier today. Uh, what's that about? There is. You know, we get, we've had a lot of questions over the course, especially the, the last year about um, buying inflation um, uh, bonds, you know, uh, the old I bonds, if you will. And so there, there is a ETF about that, uh, about that. There's an ETF using I-bonds, an inflation-protected fund. And um, it, it was enormously popular, but remember, inside of the I-bonds, um, you got a base component, plus you had an inflation protector on top, and you got that rate for six months, and it readjusted once again. Um, the I-bond is a 10-year bond. You have to keep it there for a minimum one year. You have to, and within a five-year period of time, you got a penalty if you took it out. Um, and so what's interesting is now that inflation, uh, core interest rate, again, still up but uh, down again, um, I think we're now sub five, if I remember right. Um, I don't know if I had that number sitting in front of me, but I think we're sub five now as far as inflation goes. So it's come down quite a bit. 
which means that if we look at the I-bonds, you think about it, um, you get the inflation, you get all the numbers inside of there. I don't know what the exact rate is that they're touting now coming up, um, but I'm going to guesstimate that they're probably somewhere in the 5 to 6 range. So it's the 5 to 6 range, and if you take it up before five years, you're going to have a penalty, which brings you down probably more to the 5 range. Um, and your money has to still stay there for five years, all the penalty, but you can pick up a CD at four and a half to five, almost any place today. Mm-hmm. So we look at it and inside of the CD, our money might be locked up for a year. We can break it if we want to, um, but we're not locked up for five without penalty. It's a shorter period of time. So it kind of puts that balance in there and saying, are I bonds the right place to be? Um, and inside of this article, what they found is that the, um, iShares TIPS bond ETF, um, which tracks an index of inflation-protected securities, or TIPS has seen outflows of nearly $340 million over the past week alone. Um, in fact, outflows on Wednesday alone exceeded $100 million following the release of a widely followed inflation uh, report, according to FactSet data um, from this article. So the money is certainly starting to uh, leave the uh, index because it appears that the future looking stuff because of CPI dropping down. Um, is making it not as attractive as maybe using uh, CDs. So we've had a lot of calls come up again on my uh, phone call list. We came back and said, where should we put some money right now? We want to put some money in. We don't want to go to stock market. We think we want to buy bonds. But we look at the bonds to find any sort of a yield that makes sense. Again, this is the interest rate that we're going to receive. If we look out like you normally would, you want to have something like 7, 10, 12, 15 years going out. Um, and the yield on it's not that really all that good. And the reason for that is that corporations, while interest rates were low, took all their financing and their debt that they had that was at 6 7%, refinanced to 25 and 3.5%. So with it, you can buy that stuff. But there's still that little bit of a block in there for about three years or so where you pick up about a five-year corporate uh, yield right now. Um, except, again, just as I said, I can go to a CD, get that 4.5% range, 5% range, and I have zero risk because it's FDIC insured versus going to the marketplace and picking up the bond right now. So I still think, though the bond prices are right right now, they're where they're supposed to be, but the yields are still a little low at this point in time. So huh. So we've been recommending to clients, use a CD for a little bit. Let's give this a little bit of time, but now you can at least get some interest rate other mm-hmm. than the 0.6%, 0.7%, that type of thing. And then how much of this is based on risk? Because as you just said, uh, CD is completely safe gonna grow you can't touch the money you know it might not be liquid as you if you need it in an emergency but your money's going to grow safely bond market is that a little bit of a different story well bond marketplace um i have to take a step back because i shouldn't have said safe i should have said stable but it is guaranteed Mm -hmm. let me give my back up a little bit sure three-legged stool you get income growth or safe okay and if you have want something with income, you do it at the expense of growth and safety. Um, if you want growth, you do it at the expense of income and safety. If you want safety, you do it at the expense of income and growth. Okay. So a bond, I'm sorry, a CD right now is certainly um, stable or safe, if you will. Um, I'm going to say safe because it is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does not guarantee you when you add inflation and taxes to it. So if we take a 4.5% CD right now and inflation at 5%, we're already behind the game, plus we have to pay taxes. So that's probably stable, not safe. But in the words of our government and income um, and security friends, it'll say that it's safe because it is guaranteed by FTSE. 
I think, stable because we still have the inflation and taxes put behind it. But the yield that we're going to get on it is better and more secure than if we're buying it through a bond. Why? Even though we're buying a bond through corporate America um, and getting a 5% yield, we still have to deal with the credit worthiness of that company. So if that credit worthiness of that company falls apart or something happens to the company where they can't continue to pay the bills, our bond could be liable for forfeiture. It's rare, but it does happen, um, you know. So we do. Instead of the CD, we wouldn't at this point in time. And since the yield or the interest rate we receive on both are about the same, I would defer to the one that we know as FDIC insured risk. It only makes sense. Now it may not be that way in six months or a year, but today it seems to be the better place to go um, uh, in that money for that marketplace. It's interesting. We had a client, and if you're listening to it, I'm using you as an example, so hello and hi. Uh, but she works at the bank. She said, well, I've got too much money sitting inside of the savings account, uh, but here's the CD rates at the bank. I said, well, it's your bank. I think it's a pretty good idea to put the money in the CD. You know? <laughs> so we're not paying anything in, in savings. I said, well, that's one of the reasons we're seeing um, small banks and medium-sized banks that aren't increasing those savings and ratings and, I'm sorry, uh, savings and rates on savings accounts and, and and so forth. Why they're seeing such outflows right now is because people want to earn someplace that they're going to be able to get a little bit better yield on their money or their interest rate, if you will. Um, so uh, uh, competition at its best in that way. You know, they have to increase it to survive. Mm-hmm. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9. There are a lot of big words in that set. Did you hear that? Yeah, I'm still trying to process them all right now, which is why I went to the liner card that says, hey, call now at yeah, 715-845-2155. If you have a, a question for Merle, he will be glad to take your calls on the air. And, and uh, of course, Merle, you're also glad to take calls off the air as well. Uh, we do, certainly. People can give us a buzz at our office um, um, at any point in time. I wanted to add this part, which is part of the same article that I thought was interesting, um, is – the number one TIFs right now, I'm sorry, not TIFs. Tax increment financing, that I can tell you about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> that's your wheelhouse. There you go. Um, uh, the, the number one ETFs right now, again, exchange traded funds, essentially mutual funds you can trade like a stock, folks. That's another conversation. But um, the top performing ones right now, um, uranium miners, um, ARC innovation funds, um, cybersecurity, rare earth, and more uranium. Those are the number one performing ones, which I think is relatively interesting. And again, folks, we're not telling you to run out and buy these. I just find it interesting. Uh, the things that we're finding are the worst performers so far this year, um, Bitcoin strategies, um, silver miners, silver miners, Chinese technology, and more silver miners. So apparently uh, um, people feel that silver's out, uh, Bitcoin's out, and rare earth is in. So... Uh, so, That's the uh, flow according to uh, ETFs and, that, and the the uh, inflation uh, funds too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would seem about right. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that have a whole lot of trust right now in some of the Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrencies, although yeah, they yeah. still seem to be, they're there. They're still a thing. They haven't gone away, but uh, maybe we're just waiting for that market to level off too as well, right? I have this feeling that that market's going to disappear once it has regulation to it. Mm-hmm. It's going to fall apart. Just... Merle Kelt sniff test. That's that's again, forward-looking statement which may not come true. That's right? that's true, and, <laughs> and whether it does or doesn't, it's still right. a computer program. Indeed. All right, I'm done now. He's Merle Kelch <laughs> again. We're making financial sense on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSA. You will be back for the final segment of the show next, but first, here's Chris Conley with this day.
847 on Saturday morning here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined again live in studio by Merle Kelch. Uh, Merle, we were just uh, talking off the air about a couple of different things, again, that developed over the last three weeks uh, since we've been back in the same spot doing this show live. I know the one thing I had sent you this week was uh, uh, thinking the the forecasters, the prognosticators uh, for the what the feds are going to do with interest rates have suddenly come out and said that there is a 50% chance that we could have an interest rate drop by the feds. And of course, immediately the thing that I said to you with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek was <laughs> the sky is falling. We are all going to die. The feds are going to drop interest rates yeah. after raising them for what are we at now? About a dozen or so uh, meetings in a row. Is that is th- is this normal? It is normal. What? But it's not going to happen this fast. Okay. Re- uh, remember, everybody, and and uh, and Mike, is that the interest rates are used for one of the two mandates that the Federal Reserve has. The Federal Reserve has a mandate to keep inflation under control and to do their best to try to keep us at full employment as much as possible. So that's the mandate of what their job is. That's it. So. Um, so many people think it's much, a lot more, and it's not. That's what their mandate is, is to, to keep those two things at bay. So in doing so, then, their job to thwart inflation is a, their number one tool is to increase interest rates. It slows the economy down to keep inflation at bay. And then as it slows the economy down, if it starts coming down a little bit too fast, the Federal Reserve then reduces interest rates to spark economy once again. So its effect is it puts cash into the economy or takes cash out of the economy. So a bunch of intricacies. We're not going to get worth, you know, uh, like scarce reserves model and abundant reserves model. We'll stay out of that one for now. Okay, that's a whole other chicken. Let's hole. just stick to the M2 money supply. I can yeah, understand Yeah, we got that. M2. One better than M1. <laughs> right. That's all you got to look at. <laughs> so so in the process of doing so then, um, uh, we look at it and say, well, what the, will the Federal Reserve re- reduce interest rates? And the answer is yes. When? Who knows? I don't think we see it happen this year. I think we probably see it happen after the first of the year. And this is consistent with the uh, uh, Dallas Fed chairman, and I just read the article this morning, and I don't have their article in front of me, folks, but he was saying that if he was on the board, he would have said not to increase interest rates a quarter point this last time and certainly doesn't want to have it increased the next couple of times. He thinks that we should let the interest rates now settle in, which is essentially what uh, Chairman Powell put in there and said we're okay for a, a long winter's nap or a pause, if you will, and just letting the interest rates sit where they are catch up and continue to keep doing their work on inflation as we come along. So will we see interest rates go down? Yeah, we're going to. When? We don't know. Uh, but when that interest rate starts coming down, it tends to start driving up the marketplace because the price of widget borrowing or uh, borrowing to buy your widget machines uh, starts dropping. We start seeing the market starts running up then. So, Yeah. So when? We don't know. We don't know. Not happening next month, not happening the next quarter. I'm positive of that. Um, uh, but it'll come down. Just don't know when. Just don't know when. So, everybody, again, I called this episode group therapy. Everybody just <laughs> relax. Kumbaya. Just... Okay. 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 If anybody it like was... there's even a little reverb that happened in there. So yeah, relax. I was going to say, if anybody was listening now, uh, we <laughs> may certainly be talking to ourselves after Merle Kelch tried to sing on air. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, you should hear I... me on karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can about imagine. <laughs> Once again, uh, and and I know that was the one article that I had, had read. I kind of skimmed it this week. Uh, what was something that uh, that you read 
this there was one well. that i have to pop in here because we hear about it quite a bit and i just want to address it i haven't had anybody ask the question here for a while but it's true because we see such of the um so much of the tech taken off and essentially the the S&P 500 this year, at least at the date of this article, which is on May 12th, now uh, the, the, the S&P 500 is up about 7% this year. And so we're seeing a lot of our portfolios in the equity section up in that same neighborhood. So there's nothing surprising about that. But the S&P 500 has become really tech heavy, but it has been for years and years and years. So we, we joke in our in our world, we say it's not really the S&P 500, it's the S&P 490 plus the 10 other companies that make it really big. So what's interesting about this, though, is if we take a look at this article by William Watts called the S&P 500 is uh, top heavy with tech, and here's what it says about the future stock market returns. So in here, they did a, uh, um, cited some work that Goldman Sachs had done and said, if we take those 10 top heavy stocks and inside of, the, inside of their article, uh, the top two were Apple and Microsoft. So that tells you the size of the companies on the inside of this. Um, they put them up on side of a dot gram and, and said, well, um, are, do we get better rates of returns for investing in the tech only? And essentially the answer is not much. Though they represent the 10 companies, uh, those 10 companies are really growing and doing well, um, but they're not really uh, causing that much of an effect. If we take them out, our rate of return isn't much different if they're not in the S&P 500. Um, and that's as of uh, right now, and they're looking at it for the last one-year total rate of return. Now, there's sometimes I've seen this where the top, were really taken off and the bottom didn't do much but right now everything seems to be growing at about the same pace and still having that same uh, um, growth kind kind of interesting to me so tech heavy yes tech taken off yes um, but the S&P 500 is growing even without it and again makes that broad-based look at what's going on right now everybody seems to be making some money knock on wood mm -hmm. or Formica there's probably wood underneath maybe <laughs> um, so so we want to hopefully keep that going as part of that regression to the mean thought that we've talked about yeah and uh you, you know it's interesting you say that uh the s p 500 is the tech heavy one i've always heard that the nasdaq is actually the tech heavy one nasdaq it's, is is an enormous amount of tech as far as a percentage of all of them okay um the s p 500 is usually looked at as the broad spectrum Indice to tell us how we're doing as a country, um, and so that's where people look at it and say, "Well, it's it's not like it was 50 years ago." Well, 50 years ago, um, most of these companies that are at the top didn't exist, mm -hmm. uh, so it's a kind of a different world than how it is today. Um, but the S&P 500, we have to look at the 10 and say, "Well, how are the other 490 doing if we take them out?" And they're still doing okay, and that's part of the article that we have here. So everything, uh, when you take a, a larger look. Everything is still okay. We still have jobs in this country. We still have people making money. We still have people spending money. Yeah, there's still That's, milk on the shelves. Not sure about eggs yet, but there's still milk on the shelves. Yeah. The, the yeah. eggs are even coming back around, too, as well. Yeah. It's, it's It seems like, and the prices come down, too. We're not spending $5 a, a dozen anymore. So, um, oh, boy, is, is, is a Robertson's, you know, happy, happy, happy. No, we're just mm -hmm. okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay is... Is just fine for now. Yeah, and as long as we stay like that, I, I think we'll we'll be able to manage, you know, and and uh, and get by. Yeah, we'll be we'll be good. You know, and 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 as I like to say sometimes, you know, taking a look at all these things that are going on, you know, in the world right now, as we mentioned, U.S. debt ceiling, what happens if we do end up hitting that and defaulting, 
We don't know yet. We don't even know if that's actually going to happen with negotiations still going on. You know, you can you can kind of get yourself into a little dizzy thinking about and reading all this right now. But really what you kind of do is is kind of s- sit there and focus, too, and say, hey, I'm still breathing. I'm still here. I'm still employed. I've still mm-hmm. got money coming in. Things are going to be okay for now. We can't uh, we can't let that anxiety uh, take over. Precisely. You, you uh, it, there's, there's an article here I want to talk about because it's kind of funny to me. Okay. okay. So it says which retirement lifestyle is best for you? Okay. And it has a picture of a you know retired gentleman in a kayak with a big smile on his face, mm-hmm. exercising. So it's down here in the Cayman Islands. Okay. Um, I looked at the number of people that were, you know, exercising and having that, you know, outside lifestyle. And guess what? All the people my age were taking jet skis. All the 20s and 30-somethings were taking the kayaks, just like it is in every other country and state I've ever been to. <laughs> Most exercise any of us at my age got was walking across the street to the breakfast restaurant. That's pretty much it. <laughs> across the board. Across the board. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the jet ski is that still seen as the uh, the kind of the sign of uh, of uh, the beautiful people? Um, all I know is that's how the fifty year olds were exercising is on a jet ski. <laughs> that's, that's the way I looked at it. It was wonderful. Indeed, so. indeed, and uh, you know I, I, I always enjoy the stories coming back from uh, from vacation. Did I tell you by the way when I was when I was down in Milwaukee, I ended up getting a free pizza. Well, it was free to me anyway. Again, we could have that yeah. debate. Is there any such thing as a free lunch? It was free to me yeah. anyway. The uh, the server ended up uh, losing my ticket. So I'm standing there at the restaurant, you know, just, eat, just drinking on my water, eating on my uh, on, on my appetizer, watching the NFL draft go by. And all of a sudden, somebody comes and says, hey, we forgot to make your pizza. So we've, we've put one in the oven now. But we're going. You're going to get it for free. They comped my entire my entire meal. That's, that's fantastic. That's you know well, that's, 30, that's, that's that's customer service. Yeah, that's and I and, I'm, and then of course I'm sitting there thinking at a time when I normally would have been talking with Merle Kelch. I'm like, hey, that's like thirty bucks that I saved. Should I take that and invest it somewhere? Well, the answer is yes. And then I invested it in beer. All right, I got one more thing, folks, before we go off here that I found. <laughs> so Merle Kelch, uh, uh, a difference between pizza at thirty years old and pizza at fifty. Okay. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm 58, but, uh, pizza at 58, I don't order the garlic bread anymore. I get a bowl of fruit that makes the pizza all worthwhile. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And again, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they maybe want to see the pictures of the barracuda. That uh, you it's, caught. it's pretty impressive. The uh, barracuda. So, how do they, how do they get a hold of you uh, here uh, in Wausau? Give us a call on, uh, well, you give us, stop in and say hello on third Avenue Bridge Street in Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, come in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee, and give us a call locally at 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. Again, he is Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. We'll be back again next week with more of your phone calls and reaction to what happened during the week. Maybe exactly more group so. therapy, too. Who knows? Maybe that, yeah. Kumbaya. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to have to cut you off there. I'm going to have to cut you off. Yep, yep. Merle's trying to talk, but his microphone is off because he tried to sing. Uh, again, coming up later today, we'll have Milwaukee Brewers baseball as the Brewers take on the Kansas City Royals pregame coverage coming your way at 635 here on WSAU, or excuse me, 535. First pitch coming up just after 610. 
We'll have the series finale between the Brewers and the Royals tomorrow afternoon as well. Coming up here later in your more immediate future here on WSAU, your Saturday morning polka shows. And we'll have your Fox News headlines as well coming up just after this as we are making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU. As always, you can rehear this week's episode under podcasts at WSAU.com.